This is like the most well-run org. I've got two mics on me. There's like a clock. It's the most amazing event I've ever spoken at. So thank you guys so much. Um, I just want to start by uh, asking, are there any Spider-Man fans in the room? Was any of you like Spider-Man was your guy growing up, your comics and stuff? Who wants to uh, tell me what his motto is? Nobody? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Good, Sean. So, so keep that in mind. I wanna, I'm going to come back to that. Um, so by most measures, um, I've been pretty successful in my life. I was the oldest of uh, three other siblings. And I think for those of you that are the oldest, you know like you're usually more responsible. You're usually on top of things. You're getting good grades. You're sort of leading by example. So that's definitely how I grew up. Uh, you know, gifted classes, good grades, that's what I needed to do. I started playing tennis when I was younger and became a highly ranked tennis player in the state and in the southeast. Ended up going to college on a tennis scholarship, um, captain of the team, like it was all about success. In college, I uh, started building websites with my college roommate and we ended up creating a company in the dorm room. We moved out of the dorm room into my mom's basement in Snellville, Georgia. From there, we moved into the back of a fitness center. And after 10 years of doing that, we had 75 employees and, and sold the company for a great deal of money. So on that day, I made more money than my parents made their entire lives combined. So just sort of success along the way. Uh, married my high school sweetheart. We've been together since we're 16 years old. I'm 42. Uh, we had three biological children. So I'm 31, sold the first company. The, the company that bought mine said, hey, we're going to merge you with two other companies, and we're going to create this new thing called Engage. Do you want to stay and help build that? So I decided to stay and be president of that company. Five and a half years of doing that. We had 250 employees. We sold that, made some more money. So moving forward, just thinking like success is have business success, make money, build a family. Then I went through a program called Leadership Atlanta. Has anybody here been through either LEAD or Leadership Atlanta? Have you heard of this program? Some? So Leadership Atlanta, so basically what happened is I, I sold that last company and I, I sort of just felt like something was missing in my life. I didn't even mention, very involved in our church, we go to Central Presbyterian Church. Um, we, through that period, um, were youth advisors, went on the mission trips to Costa Rica, um, was on committees, you know, so we're very involved. Faith's very important to us and our family. Um, but I always felt something was missing. There was something that I wasn't getting from all this success and all the go, go, go. So I talked to one of my mentors and I, I sort of asked him, I said, you know, maybe I need to get an MBA because, you know, my, I, I started SpunLogic, my first company, in the dorm room. And quite frankly, didn't go to college thinking I'd be an entrepreneur, so all the business classes I just really, quite frankly, hated. I, did, I was into computers at the time, so I was programming. So I was like, maybe I need to get an MBA, maybe that's going to fill this void that I feel is there. And he said, you need to apply for Leadership Atlanta. And I sort of do whatever this particular mentor tells me to do. So I applied and I got accepted. So Leadership Atlanta is a program that takes about 80 people each year, 40 Men, 40 women, 40 white people, 40 people of color. Very diverse group. There's also a lead at Atlanta. For those of you that are 35 and under, there's something called lead you can do, which is very similar. 
So I get into this program, don't know what to expect. I think it's going to be a program about how to be a better leader. In fact, it's not. It's about bringing leaders together and opening their eyes to the world, to their community, to Atlanta, to the problems that are here, but really to the problems that are in the world and exposing them to lots of different viewpoints. So in my class, there was uh, you know, other entrepreneurs like me, there were CEOs of big companies. Um, the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church was in my class. It's Martin Luther King's church, this amazing individual. So all walks of life, right? So the first weekend of this program, it's a one-year program, we have monthly events. The first event is a weekend event, and I'm 35 years old, this was um, 2012, and it's Race Awareness Weekend. So it's a two-day race awareness with your class, led by a guy named Al Vivian. His father was C.T. Vivian, who was very involved in the civil rights movement, one of top guys with Martin Luther King. So Al Vivian now teaches these kind of classes. He does it for corporations, but specifically Leadership Atlanta. So it was in that race awareness weekend that my entire life changed. I started to hear things that I just didn't know existed. I lived, I realized, I lived in a bubble of how I grew up and who I was around and my family and didn't realize all these other struggles that other people that didn't look like me have. So I started hearing like um, one of the guys in my class is, was, is an architect, African-American gentleman, talking to me about how often he gets pulled over in his Mercedes for no reason. Doesn't get a ticket, isn't asked if he was speeding, just checking in on him. I don't know about you guys, but that has happened to me exactly zero times in my life. And he was telling me it happens on a monthly basis. Another one of my classmates talked about, he had uh, African-American gentlemen as well, had two of his kids in one of the elite private schools here in Atlanta, and talked about the difference in how those two kids were treated because one of them was darker skinned and one of them was lighter skinned by the teachers, faculty, by the kids. Um, Another one, and this just blew me away, a woman in my class, African-American woman, talked about how she was trying to sell her house then, this is five years ago, trying to sell her house and she lives in a nice neighborhood and was told by the real estate agent that if she wanted to sell her house for the most amount of money, she needed to de-black her house. She needed to take the pictures of her family off the wall and she needed to take the African rug out of the, out of the hallway because the people that would be buying that house wouldn't pay as much if they thought a black family lived there. This is five years ago. This is still happening. So what I started to realize, and I started to, you know, we, we did a police ride along where we got to go into very difficult areas of Atlanta, the poorest area of Atlanta, and see like, uh, so I was riding with a guy and we drove up to, there's two, two gas stations sort of on the corners and there were a bunch of kids, 13, 14, 12, we pulled up and he flipped his sirens and the kids ran off and I sort of asked him what that was all about. And he said, well, this is where the kids hang out, at this seedy gas station. And if they're not here, they're at the other one across the street. And I said, well, aren't there parks? Aren't there places they can go? The parks are unsafe. Their parents aren't here. This is what they do. I grew up in a neighborhood where I could be safe and play and have, have fun at the park. So I just, my eyes, started to open to this privilege that I had. Look, I have every check mark a human can, be in the, can have in this world. I'm a man, 
believe that is an advantage in this world. I, I am white. I am a Christian. I am straight. I don't have any disabilities and I don't have any mental health issues that I know of. I have every advantage and I didn't realize it. And, and guys, when I was building my first company, no bank would give me a loan. I racked up over $100,000 in credit card debt, personally, juggling 15 different credit cards, which my parents didn't find out about until a few years ago when I blogged about it. Literally <laughs> found an old spreadsheet and put it online and my parents were like, what? So it was hard. And I used to think to myself, anybody can make it. You just have to work hard. And I persevered and I wouldn't give up. But I got to go to college. My parents had a basement that I could start in. Like, I had advantages. And, and when I walk into a room, I'm taken a little more seriously than most people. So that change in me, that year of leadership Atlanta changed my whole direction in life. And I realized that, going back to Spider-Man, thanks, Sean, with great power must come great responsibility. And I thought, all right, I've got to use my ability that's been given to me unfairly because I was born who I am to do good in this world. That I can't believe that God would want people, some people to be disadvantaged just because of who they were born to or what they look like. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I changed my life and I said, I'm going to do anything I can to have an outsized positive impact on the world. That is my personal purpose. Whatever I'm doing, I want to have an outsized positive impact. Outsized because I know how to build things. I know how to build companies. I know how to create a movement. I know how to grow and bring people along. And positive impact because that's what I'm here to do. As you talk about this organization, which is so fantastic, having you know, a mission to help you all find your purpose through Christ, that's what I think we all need to be thinking about. Everybody in this room, you all have superpower. You all have an advantage. There is, you know, it's awesome that we're here. It's awesome that we have fellowship. It's awesome that we get to talk. There's a mother half a mile from here that isn't home with her eight, six, and two-year-old kids, the eight-year-old's babysitting the rest because she's working her second job because her husband is in jail and her eight-year-old's babysitting. She doesn't have the same opportunity that we have. We have an opportunity to make a difference. So everything five years ago, right? This is how my life changed. So I started saying, all right, anything that I do has to fit into one of three buckets. Family, work, and doing good. And surrounding all of that is my faith. So everything now is through that lens. So let's talk about family. Since then, we've adopted two kids from China. Both of my children were found in baskets on the side of the road when they were babies in China, rural China. And an orphanage, thank God, found them and they made their way to our family. This helps my children become more empathetic. Believe this, my, my youngest two children, Chinese, six years old and eight years old, they are treated differently than my white children are. And my other children see that. I want to build empathetic, caring, thoughtful children because that's one way that I'll have an outsized positive impact. If I can raise five kids that are out in the world trying to do good when they're older and they're using their privilege to do good, that's a win for me. My company, Dragon Army, we're a little over 40 people. We build websites, we build mobile apps, we get to do virtual reality and gaming. But our purpose as a company is to inspire happiness in anyone we come into contact with. So we try to make sure that 
we're bringing joy to people's lives, that we're building things for American Cancer Society and United Way, and we're trying to make sure that we're a building positive ripples of hope in the world and, and doing that day by day. So our company has that mission. And then doing good. So I've decided to join a few boards that I think I can make a real impact with. I used to do the thing, don't fall into this trap, of joining a board of a nonprofit because it's a great networking opportunity. I did that for the first 15 years. Now I join, join boards of nonprofits that I think I can make a difference and are gonna help me toward this purpose. Once you identify your purpose, Everything gets clear. Everything gets clear. Four years ago, I decided to try to make a big impact. So I started something called 48 and 48. I just started it here in Atlanta. I thought, I wonder if I could help a lot of nonprofits in one short period of time. I've had a couple of digital agencies in town, so why not give it a try? So I put on an event at Pond City Market. Has anybody been to 48 and 48? I know I've got a couple people here that I know that have been. Um, so the idea was, what if I bring together a couple hundred people and see if we can build 48 nonprofit websites in 48 hours? Pretty tremendous idea, and we did it. So then I said, all right, maybe this is just Jeff's friends that decided to come and do this. So then the next year, 2016, I picked New York, because I didn't know anybody in New York. And we did it in Atlanta and then New York, and both of those went well. So now I'm like, all right, how can this thing have the biggest impact possible? The big goal of 48 and 48 is to, by the year 2025, we're gonna have 48 events on the same weekend globally, all running at the same time. This year we're in six cities. So if you wanna come by in a week and a half, we're having the Atlanta event, we'll have 350 people come to the Atlanta event to help the city's nonprofits, volunteering their time completely. This is how I am trying to live toward my purpose. So, I think my goal for you guys tonight, and, and by the way, in the five years since I landed on this and my life has become clear, I have had more success in those five years than I had in the first 15. Financial, business, however you want to, I've had more success in five than I had in the first 15, and I had a lot of success in the first 15. And it's because I have a clarity in why I'm here and what I'm doing. So I think my hope for you guys tonight is that first you recognize that you have powers. One, you have powers because of who you are and, and the advantages that you have. And I, I don't want anybody here to feel guilty about being a man or being whatever you are. I want you to see it as an opportunity. This is not about feeling guilty. This is about saying, I have power. I want to do something with it. So number one, I want you to recognize you have an ability to make a big difference in this world. Number two, I want you to think about what is it that you can do. So my thing is I can build companies. I'm gonna put that to use. What is it that you love doing that you're passionate about? And marry that up with your privilege. And then take that and define your personal purpose. Who here has a solid purpose that they feel strongly about, that they've identified? Anybody willing to share that? So that's your goal. I promise you, you do this and you're going to be incredibly successful in anything that you end up wanting to do. Uh, happy to have any questions and, and talk about any of that and dive into any aspect of that. But that, that was my hope tonight is to have you guys see that, realize you have superpowers, and then let's change the world together. Questions? Bobby. Jeff, uh, life today, 42 years. What did you waste 
most time doing and what do you wish you were done uh, the question was, what do I, what do I wish I had, uh, what did I waste the most time doing and what do I wish I had done with that time? It's a bit of a softball for me given what I just said, so I wish I had landed on my purpose sooner and, and realized, because now I've wasted time, right? So now I'm like, all right, from 35 to 70, I don't know, now this is my chapter two. Um, it would have been identifying this sooner. And then with my companies, um, having a purpose for my companies too. Yes? What does your daily schedule look like? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can't remember if Bobby mentioned that, but I'm reading a book a week this year. Um, so I'm reading five kids. Um, I am home by 4.30 or 5 every day. Um, so my daily schedule, I get up early. Um, I think there's an amazing book uh, called Why We Sleep. Um, that I just finished that talks about the power of sleep. And so I, I, I say that to say I used to think early birds are badass and that those are the people that are going to change the world and, and, and there's just people that aren't wired that way. And so we're sort of slanted toward favoritism towards people who get up early, their schedules are that way. So I get up early, um, I blog almost every day, um, I try to get to inbox zero, um, and I try to really focus on what do I need to accomplish that day. Um, when you set some goals for yourself, so when I set the goal of reading a book a week, and I did that because there's things that I want to educate myself about, um, when you set a goal and a public goal like that, it makes it easy to say no to lots of things. So I want to be with my family, I want to be doing great work at Dragon Army, and I want to be doing good, and so what falls off is watching a lot of TV shows, it's quite frankly going to the Braves game with the guys. Like I turn down all, all that stuff most of the time. Sometimes it's good, but most of the time I want to be with my family if I have some extra time and I have a big family, so they take a lot of work. Yes? Um, so when I listen to your story, I think part of it is that you did have financial success so early in life, and I wonder how much that freed you up to pursue your purpose. And I mean, it seems like your purpose is more philanthropic in nature. So how do you reconcile what you said about you wish you had found your purpose earlier with the fact that your financial success sounds kind of tied to your purpose or has freed you up to pursue it? Everybody hear that? So it may seem like I had financial success early. It didn't feel early. Um, when I was 23, 24, 25 and drowning in debt and there was a, there was a moment when my, comp my first company had four people and we had a... Um, one of the water jug things, like where the guy comes and replaces the water jugs. I don't know why we thought we could afford that, but we had that in our office. And literally, to come and replace them was like $42, and I didn't have it, and the guy came when he was supposed to come, and I, I hid behind a desk and told whoever, the programmer that was there, I'm like, tell him I'm not here, because it was $42 that I didn't have to pay for the water, which is ridiculous. Um, so it didn't feel like it, it was fast. I've always felt like focus, um, how you focus and what you focus on gives you success. So um, had I had a, a purpose at the company and been able to focus around that, I actually think I would have had more success earlier. And I don't think it has to do with money because even Dragon Army, it took us a few years to really build, build momentum. and the clarity of we're, gonna, we're, we're focused on inspiring happiness through these lenses and here's the type of things, it just I think it helps no matter what. 
Um, part of my purpose of having an outsized positive impact on the world is to build companies that have a purpose that grow fast. Dragon Army is the fastest growing agency in Atlanta, the 40th fastest growing company in all of Atlanta, um, and we're doing it while also trying to be a force for good. So I think those two things can work together, and I don't think it takes capital at the beginning to do it. Was it? Yeah. So, so some books to recommend or ways that you can find your purpose? Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek has a book, um, what's his book called? Start With Why. Start with why. Um, and then there's videos. So to me, that's the first place to start. Um, I, I did blog about it, so my blog is just my name, jeffhillemeyer.com. If you search for purpose, I blogged um, about that book, and then there's a, um, an article that has a really good description of things you can think through to find your purpose. Um, I highly recommend it. And you can Google these things, um, but I'm telling you, it just everything becomes clear when you do this, and life gets easier and more focused, and you're far more successful. Um, so I, I just really hope you guys do that. Yeah? What's an example of like adversity or a setback that ended up being a really important learning experience you had early on in your career? Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, it'll give me a minute to think. Um, what's, what's an example of adverse, adversity or a setback that, oh yeah, I got an easy one, that, that led me, led, ha, that ended up being a success? Yes, I got the best example. It doesn't tie into purpose, but it's, it's my best example. So my first company, we're in my mom's basement, and my partner um, is traveling through um, New Zealand, Australia, then New Zealand. And it's just the two of us. It's just the two of us, and uh, we've got our setup in the basement, and um, he's traveling, and we're working remote. And he starts talking to this guy in Queenstown. Anybody been to Queenstown? Yeah? It's phenomenal. It's where the bungee, I, bungee jumping was invented. Anyways, he's there, and he gets this guy in Queenstown um, in 1999 to um, be really interested in us building a portal for him. Now, understand, we'd, we'd had our business for a year, the biggest project we had ever done was $250. So we built a website for $250. Now you can push five buttons and have a website, but back then it was a lot of work to do a website. $250 um, from my, my aunt in Chicago. Um, <laughs> so, so I get this, this hurried message from Raj, be ready to pick up the phone, be ready to pick up. So phone rings and, and you know, spell logic, this is Jeff, as if we're a company. And uh, this guy in, in Queenstown starts talking to me. He's like, I want to fly you out to New Zealand for a week and have you consult with me. And Raj is here. And after a week, we'll have a proposal and we'll be able to figure this thing out. So I was like, sure, no problem. So I'm 21 or 22, I get flown out to New Zealand, spend the week. It was amazing. And at the end of the week, we got a contract signed. This was November of 1999 got a contract signed to build queenstown.com for $65,000. And I thought we were rich. Like, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. $65,000. Raj cancels his trip, moves back to, to Snellville. We hire an employee. We get office space January 1st while we're starting to get this project spun up. And then toward the end of January, the company calls us and says they're going bankrupt. They're going out of business. And it was like the world fell on. We had, now we had a lease. We had an employee. 
But what I didn't mention is while we were getting the company going, Raj was traveling, but I was coaching tennis at country clubs. You know, we were half-assing this business. We were half-assing it. And now we were all in. All our chips were on the table. And I really believe had that project not ever come in and then left, we never would have made it. I think the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make or people who want to start companies make is they try to do it on the side. They have a job, they try to do it on the side. Listen, think about this. To start a company and be successful is incredibly hard. And you think you can do it half time on weekends while your salary's coming in from another job? Doesn't happen. So to me, that was like, at the time, the worst thing. And as I reflected 10 years later, I'm like, holy, if that hadn't happened, we, we never would have made it, so. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, thank you. The, the first two things you said were which? Was fail fast yeah. and think big. Fail fast and think big. Um, be all in is, is certainly one. Whatever you commit to, um, be all in. Um, gosh, that's a really good question. I, th I, I must have dozens of these. Um, I think one of the things that, that I see people do is, if you have something you really want to do, and let's just imagine it's starting a company, and you're like, that's what, that's what I want to do, but I need a little bit more experience. I need to research the industry more. I need to raise more money. The reality is, today is the best day to start a company for you. Your life is only going to get more complicated every day. And I'm telling you, as someone that started a company at 21, at 31, and at 35 or 36. It was way harder, even though I had a lot of money, to start at 36. So you're gonna get a cat, you're gonna get a girlfriend, you're gonna get a Mercedes, you're gonna start building this, and then it's hard to ever start your thing. Um, spend time with your family. You're never going to look back at, you know, as things are winding down in your life and say, I wish I had gone to one more meeting, or thank God I went to that conference. You're gonna say, I wish I had spent some time with my family. And I know a lot of you don't have children yet, but that is something that I had to learn over time, that I was crushing my company, working so hard. I had a, my first kid and I'm like, I gotta make this work. It took me a long time to realize that. So create your priorities, but, but spend time with your family. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so our, our first value at Dragon Army is team first. And that means we're all in it together. There's no politics, there's no BS, there's no, we're, we're helping each other. And um, we, do, um, we do a company meeting uh, monthly. And actually I learned this from my kids' school. So at my kids' school, every Friday when they have assembly, um, they have at the end of assembly acknowledgements where they pass around a mic and the kids get to stand up and in front of the whole school acknowledge one of their classmates for one of the values. So I stole that, and we do that at Dragon Army now. So at the end of every company meeting, we don't have a mic, but everybody can acknowledge anyone. And it goes around and you hear things of, of people stepping up and helping someone. And it's a lot of stuff like, yeah, last Friday I was really stressed and I was just at meeting after meeting, and Mon showed up with lunch for me because he knew I had missed lunch. And like sometimes there's tears in these things. So to see them um, live toward that value and then mention that value so that we can bring it to life, um, I think you just have to find unique ways to do that and acknowledgements for me was a, a way to do that and sort of shine a light on it. Yeah, great question. How about over here? Yeah. 
Um, have I ever considered organizing as a B Corporation because we're, we're focused on social entrepreneurship? I uh, haven't really. I've only recently started looking at what that looks like. I will say, um, Scott mentioned some examples. Patagonia, so a competitor of ours uh, was asking the CEO, the CEO was telling me about, um, he sat with his leadership team and he said, all right, who do we aspire to be? What, what company do we aspire to be like? And they're an agency. And so they mentioned the big agencies, um, 72 and Sunny and eight, these big, and I thought, that's an experiment I should do with my leadership team because if they say other agencies, I'm failing. If they say companies like that, I'm winning. And that's exactly what they said. They said Zappos, they said Patagonia, companies we don't compete with. And that's an example of when I knew it was starting to work. That, that my leadership team, I don't know what everyone else would have said, but they're getting it. Because they hear me and I'm consistent and this is what I believe. And so yeah, it's a good question, yeah. Yep. Well, my best advice is to marry your best friend. That's the very best advice I can give you. Um, if I have the opportunity to spend time with one person, I'm, I want to spend it with my wife. And um, when you do that, it's easy. That's hard to do, and I, and I understand that's hard to do. Um, I mean, I think, I think empathy is a big thing. I think understanding, um, you know, I try to really appreciate, so my wife stays home with all of our children, and I promise you works way harder than I work. Um, and so I try to appreciate that, and I try to um, listen. So here's a tip for all the fellas. Um, don't solve the problem. Listen. <laughs> just listen. That's all we got to do. They just want you to listen. Um, so yeah, there it is. What else? So the question is, um, how do I confront fears when I take things on? Because potentially people in the room would be afraid to, to try some of the things that I tried. Um, <clears throat> man, that's a good question. I, I have an unfair advantage because I started when I was too dumb to realize that I should have been scared. And, and quite frankly, for years, should have closed my business every month. It was not a good business. Um, so, so I sort of saw that if I could do it then, now I'm like, well, of course I can do it now. So I have more confidence. So I was dumb and then I had confidence. Um, you know, I think it's just starting small. So, so you can take an idea and you can start in a small way and take, take short steps. I think if you wanted to start a company, you just need to figure out how long of a runway you can have. My, my big belief in starting companies, I don't really care about the idea. I care about the person doing it and how much time do they have to make it work. It can be the greatest idea in the world, the greatest person in the world, but if they have three months and they're like, I'm gonna do this for three months, that's what I have saved up, forget it. Year and a half minimum. So you can plan for something like that, um, but I think you can start small. I think there's ways that whatever it is, if I had a good example, but you could, you could start small, take small steps, see if it's working before you really fully commit. It's probably the best way to start building that confidence. Yeah, so the question was, what, what role did God play in um, my purpose? You know, I'm a person of faith. Um, we're very involved at our church. We um, say a blessing before every meal. Like, we're very involved. Faith is just intertwined in everything that I do. So I would say it is no mistake that I ended up with a purpose that is to do good. And it's no mistake that I believe business should be a force for good. Um, I believe God is a part of all that in my life. Um, 
But I also understand that not everybody is that way. And so I try to be careful when I speak to groups, um, this being a, a bit different of a group, but I try to be careful because I don't want to turn people off to thinking it has to be that. Ideally, they come to that. Um, but it certainly is a part of everything that I, that I do, really. Honestly, the, the adoption, the, the nonprofits, my faith is a part of all that. So the question was, was there a moment or, or how did I find my talents and then, and then maybe how do I make sure that those are the things. I always feel like whatever your job is, you should try to do only what you can do. So if you're in a company, there's probably things that you're gifted at that maybe nobody else is and you should try to find your way to do those things. Certainly if you're running a company or you're a leader, identifying what it is that you're great at. Um, it probably took me five or six years running my first company to realize that, that sales was what my company needed from me. And ever since then, that's my number one role at the company. So at Dragon Army, I set vision and I, and I, I steward the culture. Um, and then I sell and I work, work on my relationships and networking to, to build the business and grow the business. So um, I do think it's important as you develop a career and as you start to lead groups of people that you figure out what it is. Maybe you're an operations person. You need your growth partner. You're a growth person. You need an operation. Figure out what it is that you're great at and really hone in there. Focus, again, the message. Yep. You're 100% you're right. I think um, mo most people miss the opportunity to do good. It's really why I started 48 and 48 because I had all these great developers and, and marketers and creatives that didn't know how to use their skills to do good because no one was asking them. So I created a venue to ask and now, now they're participating. Um, <clears throat> I, I would, if I were you guys, I would think about are there causes that you're passionate about? Are there things that you're interested in? There, in Atlanta is an incredible nonprofit social community. Anything you are interested in helping is here. Um, you can mentor young people, you can read to kids, whatever it is. Um, I think getting your company involved in stuff is one way to do it. So talking to whoever it is at your company, because if your company's doing it, then you're, you're naturally doing it. But the real answer is if you really believe the, the, the stuff that I told you about our privilege and our advantages and that God would want you to use those for good. God would want you to take the idea that you are talented and you have advantages and, and put that to use. If you believe that, you'll find ways, ways to make a difference. If you believe that and believe that you have a, I believe I have a responsibility. I'll call it for you guys an opportunity. If you believe that, then you will find ways to do good. But it has to be important to you. It can't just be something you want to check off on a list. We have time for more? I'll hit, I'll hit the long run first. Um, I have a running partner mostly, so on the long runs, um, I understand you're a big runner from Bobby, yeah, yeah. Um, Bobby's got me uh, not listening to music because he thinks I need to spend some time thinking, so I am trying to think. I usually think about work, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, I do not talk about my faith um, to my company. I just don't. Um, they know me. They know I'm a Christian. Um, they know that I'm very involved in my church. They know that I chair um, a nonprofit, that I chair the board of a nonprofit that's based on, they know these things. 
but not everybody in my company is a, a person of faith, not everybody's certainly a Christian, so I don't want to put that on them. Um, I am trying to bring them um, along and trying to build a community with them, and, and I just don't think that that's, if they were to talk to me, and some have, i certainly talk about it, but I don't want to put that on them because I don't want them to think that they have to be the same religion as me in order to get along, in order to be accepted. So I walk that fine line. I don't know if that's the right answer, but th that's what I do. All right, last one. Yeah. When did it click with me? I was raised Catholic, um, and there are Catholics in the house? Recovering. Recovering, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm Presbyterian now. Um, I was raised Catholic, and um, it really felt like going through the motions as a kid. Um, it didn't. It didn't feel. I didn't feel connected to it like my wife did. Certainly, growing up, she definitely did. Um, and I think it was through her and joining Central 20 years ago, however long we did. And I started to see what a, a church community and. Um, the beliefs that that church has really resonate with me, and having children certainly helps build that. Um, I, I, you know, but I think it took after college when I started going with my wife to her church that I started to really feel like faith was was a part of me, and that um, I was called to do more. So that's probably the honest answer. So thank you guys so much for having me. Really appreciate it. <laughs>